Would you turn please this morning to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12. Let's read Hebrews 12 and verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, in the King James, when it says us there, uh, is there a period after that? No. What is it? Indicating that this is an ongoing thought. Run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our race. No, but he's talking about the race. Right? Well, what kind of race is it, though? It's a faith race. Right? It's a faith race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and you could say it like that, our faith race. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Another translation says, uh, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. And it is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. The English version says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. I think sometimes we've separated these two verses too much. And so, well, you know, we got witnesses in the grandstand because, you know, Hebrews 11 was talking about faith and all these people who did all these exploits of faith who are no longer on the earth. But how many know they still exist? Right? They're in heaven. And apparently they are aware of our spiritual progress and are cheering us on from the grandstands in heaven. And we're encouraged to run with perseverance and persistence our race. And to not let anything trip us up. Right? Now what did he say in that verse? We are to lay aside what? Every weight. Everything that would weigh us down. Everything that would hold us down and slow us down. And then he talked about and the sin. Sin which does so easily what? Beset us. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about things that hinder you in running your race. And without even stopping, you know, the punctuation just indicates a pause. He says, looking unto Jesus. (laughs) How are you going to do this? Right? How are you going to lay aside these weights and sins and run your race? You got to keep your eyes not behind you and not down and around you, but up. And looking and pressing and reaching toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Got your eyes on him. Got your hand on the plow. Don't look back. Run. Don't let anything slow you down. Don't let anything trip you up. Run and keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Now with that in mind. Go back to Matthew, please. Matthew chapter 13. I've prayed, perhaps you've prayed, but let's pray a prayer of agreement right now concerning the rest of this. 
How many believe the Lord can speak directly to you this morning? Right? He's not limited to what I know. He's the teacher. He can say things to you in between what I said or about what was said. Right? And through. So let's agree together. Father God, we do agree together as touching this thing. Asking and believing you for the perfect utterance and the anointing and the manifestation of your spirit. Everyone for ears that hear and eyes that see in a heart open receptive. Let there come revelation that, yes, that explodes inside the spirit, enlightening and empowering. And let there come answers to questions. And thank you, Lord, for protecting us and delivering us. And setting us up for tomorrow and the days to come. For we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And you do keep us. And you do all things well. And we give you the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Are we believing together now? Very important. That we believe together. Utterance is not just based on the speaker. It's greatly affected by the hearers. In Matthew 13. This is titled usually the parable of the sower. And uh, I'll begin reading in verse, uh, this is Matthew 13, verse 3. Jesus spoke many things to them in parables and he said, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit some a hundredfold, and some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, later... They had asked him about the parable, and he explained it to them. Verse 18, he says, Hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Now, Luke's account of this adds this. You know, you really have to read all Three of these accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to get the whole story. Because one will say something the other one didn't say. But Luke says, you don't have to turn there, but he said, those on the wayside are those who hear, and then comes the devil. And takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So what does the word do when it gets in the ground? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The incorruptible seed in the good ground of the heart brings faith. Now, I don't know that we have realized how precious faith is. It comes from the precious word. And the enemy is interested in stealing this word before it takes root in people's hearts, lest they Believe. Because believers are overcomers. Believers the enemy cannot hold under his thumb. Believers the devil cannot, you know, run and cause havoc and mayhem in their life. Believers. 
won't take it. They stand up and resist the devil. And he has to flee. They shake off the oppression. And they receive their victory. And they overcome again and again and again. They receive the anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. You can see how interested the devil would be in preventing this from happening. How can he prevent it? He can't overcome God. He can't overcome the word. He can't overcome your faith in the word. But if he can get that word out of you and the word does not produce faith in you, then he can be successful in defeating you. So the word that is sown on the wayside ground said the enemy comes immediately to steal that word lest we should believe. Now notice the next one. All this goes together. He said, verse 20, He that receives seed into stony places... The same as he that hears the word and anon with joy receives it. Now, see the other one, there was not a reception of the word. But here there is a reception of the word. How can you tell if you get revelation of the word and you receive it and it begins to produce faith in your heart? How could you tell? Hmm? You get joy, right? Or like we say around here, you get excited. And in that same happening, you get strong because the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? But if the joy of the Lord is your strength, what is the depression of the devil? No such thing as a depressed, spiritually strong person. No such thing. People cry, you know, sometimes, well, we're just believing God. We're just standing strong in faith. Uh-uh. <laughs> if you were, you'd quit crying. No such thing as being strong in faith and being pitiful. Being depressed. Being down. It's no such thing. You show me a person of faith. I'll show you someone who has an unconquerable spirit. Hallelujah. An overcomer. A more than a conqueror. And how can you do that and be weak? You can't. You must be strong. And what is your strength? So you're going to find joy every time. But where do you get that joy? Hmm? They received that word. And the word began to get inside them. And it began to take root downward and produce fruit upward. And here comes the faith. And with the faith, the joy and the peace. Can you say amen? Amen. Now see, the other person, they came to church. There was an anointed message. But they were too busy looking around behind them. They were too busy talking to their neighbor about what they were going to eat afterwards. Did you hear me? They were too busy thinking about the bills they had to pay next week and what they were going to do on the job. And the word was being sown. The word was being broadcast. The word was being sown. The word was being broadcast. But because of their hardness of heart and indifference and disrespect, it just lay on the top, didn't get in, and the devil come and swiped it and ran away with it. 
Never got in. So faith is not produced. So they don't believe. So they stay in their defeat. Here's another kind of person though. Person who came front and center. Wide awake. (laughs) Said I love God and I love his word. Oh he's good. He's going to talk to me today. What's the word of the Lord? (laughs) And when they heard it they went. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah. Tell me again. Tell me again. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. And received it with joy. But let's just stop right here. But sadly, that word never produced results in their life beyond that. Sadly. Because this is what kind of ground? Stony ground. They did not get a harvest in their life. Which means they didn't get the miracles. They didn't get the things done. And yet they started off so well. Right? Another way of saying they started their race. They started so well. But what happened? Something hindered them. Something ensnared them. Something tripped them. And you'll see that very word used here. On the stony ground, <laughs> y'all didn't like that as much. You're like, <laughs> it's reality. Oh, but there's another kind of ground later on, right? You remember that? There's another kind of ground? What? Good ground? And they heard it, and they respected it, and they received it, and they believed it, and with patience, they kept it, kept it, and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold. Somebody say, that's me, that's me, that's me. Well, it won't be you just automatically. But it can be, anybody could do it, could have it, if you'll purpose in your heart. He said when uh, he received seed in the stony places, the same as he that hears the word and anon with joy receives it. With joy. Yet has he not root in himself. How many know you got to have some depth to you? You got to have some roots. Roots help the tree to stay put when the wind blows hard. Right? Sometimes the wind blows. But that doesn't mean you have to fail. But you got to have some roots. How many know you don't get roots just by coming to one service? Just by playing one tape. It's by reading one chapter. Roots. You know, you see massive trees. And those roots, how long has it taken those roots to go as far as they have and as deep as they have? Years and decades, right? And that's what's supposed to be happening with every one of us. Every day we're experiencing God's faithfulness. We're standing and believing and seeing him work. And boy, that experience produces hope and expectation in us. And we get stronger and stronger and we mature and we're not moved with everything that comes along. Why? Because our roots are going down and deeper and deeper into God, into his word, right? And over a period of time, you should become very strong. Hard to move. Hard to sway. Right? Happens over a period of time. And he said they didn't have root. And so... They'd endured just for a while. 
For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Because of the word. Because of the word that they had received with joy. The word that they were in love with and excited about not long before. By and by, he is offended. Now, you know, we've been talking about faith. And we're still talking about faith. But this morning, I want to talk to you about faith offended. This is something that we really need to look at. We really need to think about because is it possible to come and get the good word of God and receive it and get excited and start living by faith and start walking by faith and be not very many days or very far away from a miracle manifesting in your life because of it and yet to become offended and quit and receive no harvest. And get no miracle. Does that happen? Now that's sad. That is sad. It has happened so many times. Too many times. And it's my heart that it does not happen with anybody in here. And that's why we're on it today. Are you believing with me now? That we're going to get word in us today that will arm us against this. And we'll get revelation that will help us to identify this before it gets started. And to stop it and shut it down. Right? The word offend is an interesting word. Let me give you some definition of it. Because when we use it, I don't think so many times people understand what it means. Offend is from the Greek word skandalizo. It's the word we get our word scandal from. Or scandalize. Scandal. Scandal. Now see that just the word scandal brings up thoughts and ideas in your mind. A scandal. It literally means to entrap or to trip up. Are you putting some things together now? See our text that we've been using on faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That is the finishing of an earlier thought in the previous verse, which was to what? Run your race with patience. What kind of race? It's a faith race. Right? And don't let anything weigh you down and don't let anything beset you or trip you up or hinder you. Is the enemy in the tripping up business? Oh, this is one of his major areas of continuous operation. He can't stop you. He can't just overcome you. He can't overcome the word of God or the faith of God in you. He can't. So he has to resort to his wiles and his subtlety, his craftiness, his deception. And the picture is painted of a trap. Something which entraps, something which snares. And one of the words is like the trigger on a trap. 
Like, you know, it would be uh, some kind of a cage or some kind of a rope trap or some kind of a pit trap. And the animal would mess around this because there's some food there. And finally take that trigger. And when the trigger is pulled, it catches them. The rope catches them. They fall in the pit. That's what the enemy's trying to do to you and to me every day. He's trying to ensnare us. He's trying to trip us. And the word used in the New Testament is offend. To become offended is to become ensnared. To become offended is to be tripped up in your race. Now let's look further. What does it mean to become offended? Again, we said it literally means to entrap or to trip up or to cause to stumble. Listen to the others though. Thayer says, to cause one to feel displeasure at a thing and to make indignant. To cause someone to experience anger or shock because of what's been said or done. Everybody say anger, anger. Shock, shock, displeasure, displeasure. Indignation. indignation. Have you ever had any of these feelings? What was going on? Is the enemy trying to snare you, entrap you? Another definition is to cause one to judge unfavorably or unjustly of another. Now, this is a big part of the meaning of this word. You can see it from the text, but I don't think a lot of people have emphasized it. Two different dictionaries bring this out. One says, to cause a person to begin to distrust or desert one whom they ought to trust and obey. Read that again carefully now. To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert One that he ought to trust and obey. Another translation just simply says to cause someone to no longer believe. No longer believe. You know Paul writing to the Spirit of God through Paul to the Galatians. He pled with them. He said you were running a good race. Who tripped you up? Who snared you? And that's what this picture is that we're running. And we're happy because we're in faith. And we're making progress. You're always happy when you're making progress. Right? You're leaving the old behind. You're going to the better and the new. You're coming up and you're moving forward. And you're making progress. And you're running with other people. I mean, this is not just a lone race. we got a whole family that runs together with us. Especially a local church like this and all over the body. we got a vision. One vision and one faith. and Right? And we're all running together. But the enemy will try to set up a snare. Uh, let me get a couple of people to help me here. Let's see. Dave, come up here and help me. Mo, come up here and help Rick, come up here and help me. This is the picture. We're all running together. Let's go real slow now. You know, we're running together and we're happy. Glory to God. We're happy. We're happy. Hallelujah. I mean, we're on the course And nothing can stop us because greater is he that is in us than in he that's in the world. And we have joy in the Lord and that joy is our strength. 
But I noticed something. Y'all keep moving slowly. I noticed something. And it bothers me. And so I begin to fool with it. And snap. It trapped me. And one reason that this word uh, scandalize or offend is translated like a trap is because when you get trapped, let's say my foot gets trapped in something. Well, it annoys you. Do you see this? It aggravates you. Makes you mad. Because you're trying, and the matter you get, what else is happening now? They're going on. And where are you? You're stuck. Because you're what? You are offended. Thanks, guys. That's good. Hallelujah. How does that happen? What, what is the deal? You have to turn and take the bait. You could have ignored it and just run your race. You could have shook it off. You could have said, uh-uh, no, nothing's going to weigh me down. Nothing's going to hold me back. No. I'm staying with the pack. I'm staying with the family. I'm staying with those that God joined me to. I'm staying with the Word of God. Hmm? How many times do you suppose that has happened? In churches all across this country and the world. How many people have been there now for years? In a snare. In a trap. And the longer they're there, the angrier they get. They get mad at the people. Well, they're just going on without me. That's not their problem. They can't keep you from being offended. Only way they can stay with you is to become offended with you. Who wants to do that? Listen now, friend. To become offended is to lose your faith. And if you don't see all this at one time, don't throw it away now. Write some of these things down. Think about them. Meditate on them. One of the definitions we gave you is to cause to stop trusting or stop believing in someone you should trust and believe in. Another definition was to no longer believe. To no longer believe. Now you'll see this in the scripture. Let's go to another passage here. This will open this up to you. Go to Matthew, please. 26. You were there in Matthew 13. Go to 26. Let me read this to you while you're turning there from the passage we just read. The people on the stony ground, what happened to them? So we've talked about them being stony. We talked about how they didn't last, they didn't endure. But I don't think we've emphasized why. Why did they just endure for a little while? Why did they cast away the word they had received? Because they became offended. That's what happened, the scripture said. Listen to this. The Amplified says, They have no real root in themselves. And so they endure for a little while, and then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, they become displeased, indignant, 
and resentful. Resentful and they stumble and they fall away. Another one says, they are caused to stumble, they are repelled and begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey. Another one says, when trouble and persecution comes because of the message, he quickly gives up believing. This is one of the enemy's most successful tactics at destroying and robbing people of their faith. And it's such a subtle thing people are blinded by. And they call themselves word people and yet they're offended. Resentment begins to come and then bitterness begins to come. And if left unchecked, the Bible said many can be defiled by this root of bitterness. And listen now, you got a bunch of people that are bitter and resentful and offended. They are not full of faith. They have lost their faith. How many understand that faith works by love? Cannot be. See, the enemy knows this. But he's so crafty that he's always trying to get that in and needle it. And I, we got good news today. The Lord took me through this last night and showed me exactly where it starts and how it works. We can catch it if we'll be open. I'm going to take you to it in just a minute. But look at this. Are you there in uh, 26? Matthew 26. This is right before Jesus goes to the cross. And in Matthew 26 and 30, they've just received supper together. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper and communion today. And just back up in these previous verses, it talks about the blood of the New Testament. It talks about the bread, which is his body. And verse 30, they had such a rich time of fellowship and they sung a hymn. And they went out to the Mount of Olives. How many stand there having good fellowship? Good fellowship. Then said Jesus to them, verse 31, what did he say to them in the middle of this? All of you shall be offended because of me this night. Now let's just stop right here. What does it mean to become offended? See, you're going along good. You're going along good and then you notice something. And you get to fooling with it and it snares you. And it traps you and you become indignant and angry and annoyed and resentful. He said, all of you, that's going to happen to you tonight because of me. You're going to be offended because of me. Uh, skip down to verse 33. Peter answered and said to him, though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said to him, verily I say to you that this night before the cock crow, you'll deny me thrice, three times. Listen to the other translation. It says, you will all be offended and stumble and fall away because of me this night, distrusting and deserting me. Are you seeing this other side of offense? When you become offended, you stop trusting someone. You stop believing in someone. You stop believing in word, their words. And you stop being with them and being hooked with them. You unhook and you desert them. You leave them. 
Have people ever unhooked from where God put them? Have they ever get upset about something and leave? So what happened to them? They were offended. And if that happens, what else has happened to them? They are ensnared. They get trapped in that offense and it stops their progress. When you're trapped, you're not running your race. And when you're offended, you've lost your faith. You no longer believe in someone and something that you're supposed to. Peter declared to him, though all are offended and stumble and fall away because of you and distrust you and desert you, I will never do so. I'll never do it. Mark 14. He said, you'll all fall away this night. You'll all be caused to stumble and begin to distrust and desert me. Peter said, even if they all fall away and are caused to stumble and distrust and desert you, I will not do so. Jesus said, I tell you, before the cock crows, you'll deny me. And Peter said more vehemently and repeatedly, even if it's necessary for me to die with you, I will not deny you. I will not disown you. I know I keep saying it, but do you understand being offended equals denying and distrusting and not believing? That's what it is. He said, all of you are going to be offended tonight because of me. And Peter said, no no way. Now, let me just stop right here. Peter did not believe it was possible for him to become offended at the Lord. Did he? Did it happen? It happened. I don't think we've seen the seriousness of this. They were not just confused and frightened. They were that. But it was worse. They had times where they quit believing. I'm talking about after Jesus, you know, when he went to the trial and he was scourged. And why did Peter stand out there and go, I don't know him. This is not just confusion. What is this? This is offense, which is what? Ceasing to believe. What they're doing, and he and all of them did it that night. They're saying, what were we thinking? He's just a man. God wouldn't let all this happen to him if he's really a good man. It can't be. What are they doing? They are ceasing to trust someone they should trust. They're ceasing to believe in someone they should completely believe. They became offended. Now here's the question. Peter did not believe it was possible that he could be offended at the Lord Jesus. They'd just been sitting at the table together. They'd just been sitting there in sweet fellowship. How many believe the presence of God was in that upper room? The love of God and the grace of God and the peace of God. And they had been with Jesus now for a while. And they've seen him in every kind of situation. And that's what Peter said. No way. No way will I ever get offended and distrust you and unhook from you and stop believing in you. And Jesus said it'll happen before daylight. Now here's the question. Is it possible for you to become offended at Jesus? 
and at his word. Is it possible? See, that's mighty weak, isn't it? People don't like to think like this, do they? You need to see this. Is it possible for you to become put out and bent out of shape and no longer believe him and his word whom you should believe? Is it possible? If you don't believe it's possible, you put yourself in the same precarious position that Peter was that night when he so adamantly denied it. So ain't no way. Ain't no way. How many know he should not have been saying that? The Lord looks at you and says, this night before the cock crows, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. It is not time to get back up in Jesus' face and say, "Uh uh-uh, you're wrong. You're wrong. What's it time to do? It's time to repent. It's time to hit your knees and go, God, I know you know everything, but I know that ain't the will of God. Have mercy on me. Can I change it? What can I do? Right? And he told them. He said, watch, pray. So you don't enter into temptation. He's given them some instruction. And they didn't understand it and they didn't do it. Is it possible? See, people get their eyes on each other. Is it possible for you or me, as much as we think we love the Lord, is it possible for us to get put out and offended at Jesus and his word? The answer is yes. Yes. Do you have to? No. Is it possible? Yes. Yes. Now, see, the thing that's happening, they didn't think, and the people prior to this, he went to his own hometown, and they were offended at him. Remember that? Numerous times it says they were offended at him. But see, the thing is, they did not think they're offended with God. No, 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 just this Jesus. But are they offended with God? Yeah, because he's the one that sent Jesus and told him what to say. The Israelites that first came out of Egyptian bondage. They didn't think they're offended at God. It's just this Moses. It's this Moses and this Aaron. But God took it personally. He said, I hear your murmurings that you murmur against me. And they thought, huh, we didn't call your name. <laughs> it's Moses. This is Moses. We like you. It just mm-mm. doesn't work. If you don't receive the one he sends, you don't receive him. You despise the one he sends, you despise him. You become offended at the one he sends. At the words he speaks through the one he sends. You have become offended with him. And how many can see, many have not seen this. They are offended at the word of God. I mean, let's just talk about area after area. There are people in this town. Bless their hearts, we love them. But they have become offended at the word of prosperity that we preach. Well, if that's just something I dreamed up and came up with, well, it's my opinion and theirs. What does it matter? But if it's the Lord's word, if it's scripture, if it's anointed of him, then they're not just offended with me. They're offended with him. There's something about his word that they don't like. They resent it. They don't think it's him, but it's him. And when you do that, you have judged yourself. Anything you become offended at, you have judged yourself unworthy of. You become offended at prosperity, you will not prosper. You become offended at healing, you will not be healed. 
You become offended at being filled with the Holy Ghost or speaking in tongues? You're not. Right? You're not going to. So the next time you begin to get that annoyed, irritated, angry, miffed feeling, what should you do? You should go, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a trap. There's a trap around here. The devil set a trap for me. And I'm messing around with the trip stick. Hmm? I love the word of God and I have great peace and nothing can offend me. Nothing can trip me up. I refuse to. I'm going to run my race. I'm not going to judge anybody. What if they did miss it? That's between them and God. I love the word. Right? I love the word. I love the people of God. I love the family of God. Now go to John, please. The sixth chapter. This is one of the best passages in the whole Bible that I'm aware of on this subject. Right here in John 6. Have you got time for some more? John 6. And this is what I was talking to you about that the Lord took me through this passage and showed me. John 6 is a a lengthy chapter. Did you notice that? It's like 71 verses or something. And Jesus, I mean prior to this, there's been healings and there's been miracles and there's been so many outstanding things happen and the crowds have gotten big. And many have joined themselves with Jesus and the twelve and called themselves disciples of the Christ, the anointed one, Jesus. Not a few, not 20 or 30 or 100, many, 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 a lot of them. And a lot of people, are they're pumped, they're excited. You remember the feeding of the multitude? I mean, they had thousands and thousands of people out there. And then when Jesus wasn't there, they tried to find him. And man, they traveled and they're going wherever Jesus is. They're showing up by the thousands. Right? And they're pumped about the word and they're excited. Until today. And on this day, Jesus preaches a new message. That they had not heard before. And the title was. Drink my blood. And eat my flesh. And the singing was good. And the offering was good. And the prayer was good. Everybody was so excited. And they loved the word of God. And they've received it with joy. And Jesus gets up and starts preaching and teaching. And it's all great. And it's good. He's talking about the bread of life. Oh, yeah, we like this. He's talking about the manna from heaven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of the religious leaders didn't like it, but his bunch is still with him. And then he says, and the application of this is you must drink my blood. And if you don't drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. You've got to eat my flesh. If you don't eat my flesh, you don't have life. And it got really quiet. Really quiet. A lot more people than are here today. Many, 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 many more people than are here today. Spread all over the place. And you could feel the tension. 
crowd has shut down on him. What's happening? Huh? Let's read about it. John 6. Now who did this happen with? Jesus. Jesus. Verse 60. 660. Many therefore of his disciples. When they had heard this. How many of them? Three or four? Twenty? Many. Many. Do you understand who these people are? Who are they? They're not just somebody that came to the meeting, somebody that visited Jesus' meeting once in a while. They're his partners. They're people that are, they believe they're committed to the core. When they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? I'm going to show you how offense works. Well, not me, the Lord is. He showed me. I'm going to show you what he showed me. How does this start? It starts with questioning. 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 Well, I don't understand that. I don't understand why they did that. I don't understand why they didn't do this. I don't understand that. I mean, you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's how it started, wasn't it? Questioning. Devilish. Disbelieving, disrespectful, questioning. You want to stay safe from ever being tripped up? Never get started with this. If you break this up before it ever starts, you never get to the next levels of it. You never get to the next stage of ensnarement. If you just stop it right here, this questioning. What does he mean? Drink his blood. That's ridiculous. He's talking about cannibalism? Nobody eat his flesh. What? This is hot. This is. And somebody said, that's error. I know. Now, normally, you know, I like Jesus and I like his meetings, but. So this is hard for us to understand and believe, but this happened with Jesus, the master. You know, I've really enjoyed it up till now, but, you know, he really is just getting off. That's all it is. Ain't no way you can make right out of this. He should not have said that, and he should have done this. Questioning. Questioning. Everybody say questioning. Questioning. See, that's when you're you're like the animal, biting around the trip stick, biting around the bait. Questioning. Questioning. How many know there's some things you ought not question and you ought not talk about? You know, it's, it's not your deal. That's between them and the Lord. Right? And how many understand that they have seen enough of Jesus that they could have trusted him through this? Yes. Haven't they? This is not the first time they've ever heard him speak. They have seen him month after month and year after year. They've never heard him tell a lie. They've never seen him do anything unfaithful or unrighteous ever. Why on this one message that they don't understand, they're ready to pull and run? Why? It shows problems that had been in their heart from the beginning. This didn't start today. 
This had been in their heart from the beginning. And because everything was going the way they liked it, it didn't come out. Did you see this now? But now something has rubbed them crossways. And it comes out. How many know, I don't care if you're talking about a loved one, or if you're talking about a friend, or if you're talking about your, your ministers, or who you're talking about. You shouldn't just let one thing, one message, one meeting, one conversation, right? Cause you to say, oh, that's it, that's it. We can't talk. We can't. What is faith? What would a faith response have been in this situation? I've heard Jesus for years bring out things I never thought of. (laughs) Bring revelation of scripture that I had no idea it was there. I know God is using him and showing him things that I don't know. There's got to be an explanation for this. And I'm going to hang around until I see it. Right? It's the same man I was thrilled about yesterday. Right? He hadn't changed. I just don't, I don't know what he's talking about. But I believe you. See, the biggest test of faith is when you don't understand. I'm going to say that again. The greatest test of faith is when you don't understand. Jesus himself went through it. Why did he cry? At the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's going through some things. But he never stopped believing. He never lost his faith. That's what happened to Job. People think the whole book of Job is about why the bad stuff happened to Job. And Job and his three friends, they discussed it and battled about it for chapter after chapter after chapter. And their whole emphasis is, why did this happen? That's their whole deal. Why did this happen? Why did these bad things happen to this good man? And they kept trying to figure that out. That is not the question. You know what the question is? What do you do when you don't know why? That's the question, and that's the test that Job failed. And thank God he overcame and recovered. But that's the test he began to fail. What do you do when you don't know why? That's the great test of faith. And see, that's what began to happen that night when they came to get Jesus. They'd seen Jesus just walk through crowds, people trying to kill him and couldn't touch him. They'd seen the dead raised. They'd seen all kinds. They'd seen demons run towards him and get cast out. He's not afraid of anything. They know it. And they watch him just stand there and let them take him and abuse him. And they didn't know why. What's going on? And that was the greatest test of their faith. Can you believe... When you don't know why. Can you have faith. When you don't understand. Yeah it's the greatest test of faith. Don't fail now. You see people. Go to church for years. And then something happened close to them. That they don't understand. I've seen people. They shake a fist and go. God it ain't right. It's not fair. It's not right. You should have done this. or You shouldn't have. See that's what Job was trying to say. This ain't fair. It's not fair. Well, you just failed big time. That is offense. 
Why would somebody say, it ain't fair what's happening with them? They are offended at God. And they're believing lies. Because there is nothing that God should have done that he didn't do. There is nothing that he did that he shouldn't have done. He is perfect in all his ways. He has never failed anybody. And he never will. Let me tell you how to get through the toughest, darkest, roughest places in your life. You may not know why. Tears may be streaming down your face. You may be looking at situations you don't comprehend. And you don't understand. But you look up through your tears and you say, Lord, I don't know. I don't understand this. But I know this. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. And you love me. And I will always believe in you. I will never quit trusting you. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to see it. I will always believe and trust in you. Friend, (laughs) you will not stay down. The Almighty, if he has to move heaven and earth, he will raise you up. Because nobody ever trusted in him and was made ashamed. Nobody ever waited on him and relied on him and was disappointed. Has never happened and it never will. How do you stay out of the snare, number one? Anybody with me? How do you stay out of the snare? Stay away from that disrespectful, disbelieving, questioning. Number two, this is what it leads to. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples, who? His disciples, these are his partners, his people, people closest to him. His disciples did what? Murmured at it. He said to them, does this offend you? How many understand this service is different from the one the day before? As he taught these things that the Father had given him, you could feel the tension through the crowd. You could feel the people unhook. You could feel the offense. And people are talking among themselves going, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. What is this? Questioning. And then they begin to gripe about it and murmur. That's the next step. You question it and then you do what? You gripe about it. You question it and then you complain about it. That ain't right. It ain't right. Nah. Grumble and gripe and complain. Then what does it lead to? Keep reading. Does this offend you? So they are already offended. He said, what and if you'll see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? In other words, if you can't handle this, you sure couldn't handle that. It's the Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, their spirit and their life. But they were despising these words. They were offended at these words. For there were some of you that what? That's the third thing that happens. So you get offended. You could include that if you wanted to. But you question, you complain, and you stop believing. You believed not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, that's why I told you, no man can come to me except it were given to him of my father. And from that time, many of the disciples did what? That's the last step there. 
questioning. What else? Complaining and griping about it. And then what? You quit believing. What happens after that? You leave. You leave. They went back for a while and then got back with him. No. They walked no more with him. What does that mean? That was it. They did not get back with him. How could that happen with Jesus? It did. And it's happening today. People don't think that they're offended with Jesus, but they are because he's the one that was speaking through the people they're upset with. Say it again with me. Questioning. Questioning. Complaining. Complaining. Stop believing. believing. Leave. Leave. So when you get to that point, you are entrapped. You are snared. The trap worked. And at that point, you are not going on in your race. You're there toying with this thing. How many have seen people that 20 years later, you bring up the subject and they start fuming? Oh, bitter, angry, resentful. I know there was a man that I ministered to in healing school. Bless his heart. Just to be around him. He was a nice acting guy. And he was there for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks with serious life-threatening health problems. And I thought part of the time, Lord, I just don't understand why this man's not receiving his healing any better than this. Because he'd been this way for years and years and years. I thought, Lord, I begin to pray extra about it. Lord, how can I help him? What's hindering him? Do you hear that word? What's hindering him? One day we're standing in the lobby after a service. Got to talking about something. Got to talking about a particular area of business. Uh, actually an item we were talking about that turned into a business conversation because he used to own this particular business. And as we got to talking, his face changed. And he began to tell me about somebody that did him wrong in business. And man, the more he talked about it, the harder I'd never seen him like this. The harder he got. Until after a few minutes. He's virtually ranting and raving about this. These people. Duped him and took advantage of him. And basically stole his business. He wound up by saying it. He's ranting and raving. He said I wish I had a tank. I'd just pull it up. Maim it at their house. And just blow that thing off the block. And the Lord said that's why. That's why. His, now see, this physical problem had incapacitated him. He was not able to do his ministry. He was not able to do what God had called him to do. He is not moving forward in his race. And he had been entangled in this thing for decades. That's sad. I said, that's sad. That's sad. Somebody say, not me. Come on, say a little stronger. Not me. Not me. Jesus looked at his disciples. Are you there? Verse 66. Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus said to the twelve, will you also go away? Why would he say that to them? It must have crossed their mind. 
Right? Why would he say it? Do you see how serious this was this day? I mean, people left Jesus not just for the day they unhooked from his ministry. They said, basically, take me off the mail list. (laughs) Take my name off the church roster. I ain't coming back. This is with Jesus. Masses of them left and did not come back. And he's sitting there with his staff. And he looked at them. And he said, you're going away too? What did they say? Peter spoke up. He said, well, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That is a faith statement. I said, that's a faith statement. Not talking about what we don't understand today. He said, no, we know this. We know this. You have the words of eternal life. No, we're not going anywhere. We believe we're sure that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But there was one, you know, still sitting there. Hmm? That later on sold Jesus for a little bit of money. Why? Offense had gotten in his heart and that root of bitterness had not gotten out. This is a man handpicked by Jesus. Jesus didn't make a mistake in picking this man. But every, all of us have a free will. And if we don't respond correctly, we can get to questioning and complaining. Lose our faith and quit believing in God and his words and in those that we should believe in. And if that happens, you'll wind up leaving and unhooking. And if that happens, you can be ensnared and be stationary in your race and not make progress. But you don't have to. Not now. Not ever. And if you've been having trouble in this area and if you've seen some things while we've been talking today, you're in a good place today. Because we're about to take communion. (laughs) And by the blood of the Lamb and by the body of the Master, we can be forgiven. Of any bitterness and resentment and holding any grudges. We can let it go. And we can take communion. And over the cup. We can make a stand and by the grace of God say I refuse to be offended. Today or tomorrow or the next. I refuse to be ensnared in my race. In Jesus name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.